Hello and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist. And today we're joined by my friend, my colleague, the Reverend Tiffany McCall. And Tiffany is the senior pastor of First United Methodist Church in downtown Jacksonville. Uh, Reverend McCall has an extensive background in leadership development, uh, is a practitioner of Fresh Expressions. She's done all kinds of amazing, exciting stuff over the years. And in the last year, she has established Pillars Plus Foundation Incorporated to help connect the church with the the community. Her passion is people, learning, serving, dancing, gardening, and sharing the love of God with others. And I'm excited to say that she has also recently become an author uh, because we have a collaborative book project for Fresh Expressions United Methodist. And Tiffany was gracious enough to be one of our our authors in that uh, that upcoming book. So, Tiffany, thank you so much for giving us time to to be with us today. Thank you, Michael. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm excited about that book. I'm ready to read your chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tiffany, our first question: Who is Tiffany McCall? Oh wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, um, I am person who loves God, just simply loves God. I'm just an average, everyday person. Um, I love people and um, sharing uh, the Word of God, being a witness to um, God's love and His provision for all of us. You know, that's just a, a joy for me, and I just get a thrill off of that, you know, and I love to see eyes open and people come up become aware of the goodness of God that is inside of them. Um, And uh, I love to see people um, come in connection with their gifts and and actually use them. (laughs) So so I'm a mom, I'm a wife, you know, um, uh, I just, I'm an all around person, you know, so... I love sharing. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you're a clergy person. Um, and yeah, I'm you... I do wear that hat too. <laughs> right. Um, and you also have this passion for fresh expressions. Oh, yeah. But you're able to excite and build up your congregation to join you in that passion. So what I love about you is you're not the heroic solo leader type who's like, you know, just doing it all on your own, but you, you actually cultivate people, you disciple people, you build teams to do this ministry uh, and fresh expression stuff with you. So for our listeners who are like, maybe need some help there or give us like the practical, how do you do it? Um, and, and maybe in what ways does your background and like leadership development come into play with that? Well, Michael, I just have to say first, I struggled with that in the beginning um, because I was this solo heroic, I'm going to do it, you know, <laughs> save the day. <laughs> and and, and I, I came to realize that if I didn't stop, I would totally collapse. And there was a better way um, to serve. And how could I share parts of me with other people so that they would learn how to do um a lot of this ministry. And so I, I started originally just, just building groups, small groups, um, facilitating spiritual formation, walking with young people um, through leadership uh, development, listening, helping them listen to scripture and identify, you know, their own personal spiritual gifts and, and then looking at, okay, how can, these gifts be used in the life of the church or how are they being used in the workforce where you work and in your community where you live and so um helping um coming alongside them and helping them identify these things 
and then pushing fresh expressions. Okay, you can be church, sharing with them that you can be church um, wherever you live, work, and play. It does not have to mean Sunday morning and just really drilling that um, with a lot of the young people um, is, is how I've been, been able to develop fresh expressions and actually um, um, bring along new people and, and cultivate them. Um, that group that I, I normally lead is, is uh, bridge builders. And so been leading that group now probably about four years and every year there's a new group and because a part of the responsibility after walking through a year with me is that they have the responsibility of bringing someone else into that group so we can cultivate them and they can go out and share the gospel um, and since we've been doing that we've actually had one seminarian um, we've we've cultivated several fresh expressions we have young young adults who have started uh, ministries in the city bible studies around the city um prayer groups <laughs> uh, uh worship um in different churches and so and, and they and they are now embracing their gifts and they may not necessarily serve in the united methodist church but they serve throughout the city and they come to us for cultivation so it's been a it's been a journey this year, I haven't been able to do as much um, because we've been working on some, some big projects at First Methodist. Um, but that's particularly what we do, just kind of cultivate small groups. So could you like walk us through the story of maybe one person you've seen kind of just develop as a leader? Um, yeah. And then if you could, yeah, give us like... Um, you know, when you say they're not necessarily United Methodist, I want to, I want to, I want to have further conversation around what does that actually mean in the 21st century? And if people are being equipped and empowered and they're functioning as ministers in the city, you know, can we rethink some of that stuff? But if you could like walk us through somebody, you know, that's become a great leader through some of these things that you've cultivated. Um, okay. Um, for, for example, uh, I had a young man come to me three, four summers ago. Uh, his name is Corellis, and Corellis was a part of a Baptist church who decided, you know, he wanted to just check something else out. And he started coming to Bridge Builders, which um, doing Bridge Builders, what we do is we do um, Bible study, we do... Um, leadership development we do um uh, we do a lot of the the kind of testing to see where kind of personality we have and all sorts of things to see where we might fit and um, the spiritual gifts and uh, that we have and so he participated in that with me for one year and then he became a um a pastoral intern the next summer and from there, he went on to Candler, and um, he's now preaching all over New York. <laughs> I mean, he's doing some fabulous social justice work. That's that's kind of where his heart is. Um, we worked. I worked with him with um, Rethreaded here in Jacksonville, which is a group um, that advocate for advocate for those who have been in trafficking. Um, and so um, he spent a lot of time helping women um, get reconnected um, and to build their self-esteem. Uh, and so, uh, and he ministered to them. Uh, and he didn't realize that that was being church and that that was ministry. And so and it, it also gave me an opportunity to step into that arena and talk with women um, who had been trafficking and um, um, had been in some harsh situations. And so we just brought God to them wherever they were. And um, we were blessed. I was blessed just by the conversation with this young person and just to see how fabulous things turned out for him. Um, and then I have another, her, she also went through the pastoral internship program. Her name is Maya. Uh, Maya was with me for two years in Bridge Builders. And Maya um, 
she has started what um, she called Bold Move. Bold Move is a radical group of, they say we just God lovers. That's up. They say they're young people who just love God. And so they stir up mischief all around the city, prayer walks and um, Bible studies and um, social justice. They, they're just out there. They're, on, they're, they're doing the wild stuff. <laughs> um, but they love God. And um, she's leading them um, every week. And on a Thursday, they have their Bible study times. And they have Bible studies um, in the restaurants and uh, different places around the city. Sometimes they're at First Methodist and sometimes they're not. Um, but I've had the chance to walk alongside these two individuals that no longer are at First Methodist, but they are connected to First Methodist in every sense. And they're doing work in the city. And then we have a few that stayed with us at First Methodist and um, they're leading worship. Um, liturgy and um, just enjoying being a part of the church um, while while taking the gospel into their workplace and so in some really unique ways and so um, it, that's been exciting I hope I answered that question for you, yeah. yeah that that gave us a window and I think one of the most awesome things about you and your ministry is how you've been able to reach and develop young people um, and that, I think that's just so important and something we just have not done really well as a denomination overall. And I think of like your method to me, it, it resonates with like, so Jesus, you know, goes to the synagogue in Nazareth. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to liberate the captives, all those things, recovery of sight to the blind, uh, to lift up the poor and the oppressed. And then he goes about doing those things. And then a community forms around that activity that we now call the church, right? Or the body of Christ. So mm -hmm. he started with that work and people were developed in that and a community kind of sprung up around that, mm -hmm. which sounds like it's more to me, the way you do ministry is more that than trying to get people to come into a building and sign up to be part of a membership class or whatever, and then become. Um, so I love that. And I'm always, I'm in this struggle with even in my local church folks still to this day, like this week, is um, we have a lot of people that they don't participate in the stuff we do back at the inherited church per se. Some of them do. So I don't want to say that it doesn't ever happen, but we have a lot of young people that are doing stuff in the local rehab on Monday nights and in burritos and Bibles and, and coming to the EV super uh, Tesla church, but they're not going to ever, they wouldn't say they're Methodists, right? They wouldn't say I'm, you know, did a membership class or anything, but they're connected to the United Methodist Church through the kingdom and through this ministry. Mm -hmm. And I, I think as a denomination, if we don't figure that out to like celebrate and say, maybe that is people being United Methodists in the 21st century. Maybe it, they're never going to translate, but into what we would call, you know, membership and butts and pews. But that's something really cool to celebrate. Like your your ministry is a prime example of this. Like you've affected these people's lives and they're now having massive kingdom impact in these ministries that they've started. Um, and some of them are connected to the UMC more formally, but some not. And all that's good, you know? I think it's freeing, Michael. Um, and I think we should celebrate that because I don't think we're called to make people members of the United Methodist Church. I think we're called to build the kingdom of God. Mm. And that goes beyond the United Methodist Church. Um, being United Methodist is what we chose. Um, but And, and, and we ch a lot of us chose that based on our understanding of the theological position of John Wesley. Um some of these young people will never, ever do that. Mm -hmm. They don't want, they will never do that, but they want Jesus. And so uh, I'm just doing what Wesley did without putting any kind of labels or names on it, you know, just, just, just inviting them in, asking them, because I actually ask them sometimes during our, uh, our, our studies, how is it with your soul? They don't know, <laughs> you know, where that comes from. How is it with your soul? What's going on with you? They love to give input. They love to think through that stuff and 
and and just work on their personal growth and spiritual growth. So um, they are Methodists, but they don't know that, you know? Right. <laughs> so um, I, I just think we should celebrate it, embrace it, because the world is changing. And um, people are afraid, particularly young people, are afraid to attach themselves to a denomination. It doesn't matter what denomination it is any denomination because the church has had so much um, flack and so much hardship, so much judgment and uh, it's painful for them and they don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I wonder, I want to learn a little more about um, the kind of the cultural context of your church um, at first UMC Jacksonville. Maybe you tell us a little bit about the Jacksonville and how the community has been receptive to some of these fresh expressions you've done, like the Bible and basketball and your bridge builders um, and dinner church and things like that. Well, let me say this first United Methodist has gone through a total makeover. Um, spiritually, physically, um, we have gone through uh, quite a bit, and it's not the same church. When I um, went to that church, when I first began there, um, it was 2018. Uh, it was a predominant. It was all white church. There were maybe one or two uh, Africans in that congregation. Um, everybody was 70 plus, um, in age. Um, they, some of them, um, they understood my, my zest for mission, but did not think that they were capable of, of, of doing that. They were pastor, we're too old. We can't do that. I said, yes, you can. You know, I took them, I had them all at EWC at the college <laughs> and they were excited about that. A few of them, but then there were uh, groups that didn't understand fresh expressions. And it was like, I had to make a choice over uh, young people or them. And it was very, very hard to help them understand that you have something to give to these young people and they need you. It's not, we're, we're not trying to discount you. They need you and you need them um, because we're, we're aging. We're all aging and we, we're supposed to be putting back into the church and reaching the next generation. So we started a, a campaign um, at our church um, centered on the next generation, that our worship would be worship that would embrace the next generation uh, from our music to liturgies to everything and um that cost that came at a huge cost <laughs> and and so we are a very small church uh, we were it was already a small church now it's a much smaller church um but the church is um more diverse we have multiple generate multiple generations um coming to church every sunday um multi-ethnic and everybody is on the same um, same plane here. Everybody understands we are one and that um, we are there to love and to share God's love, to embrace others. And, and, and we have this thing at First Methodist is that we believe if uh, we want everybody to be free and we're not free until everybody is free. And that means we must embrace all. And so um, the culture has changed. <laughs> and it's beautiful and it's growing um, slowly but surely. And so we're excited about the new things that God is doing with us here. So Tiffany, could you could you say more just about so like cross-cultural appointments typically don't fit they typically fail, mm-hmm. right? And and there's a lot of trauma, especially um mm-hmm when it's a female, when it's a person of color. And you came in with very strong prophetic leadership gifts and led through like a pretty massive cultural shift in that congregation. So how did you do that? Um, You know, help us, what did you do differently maybe? And then 
how do you deal with the cost? How do you deal with um, the wounds of people taking their checkbooks and trying to take things hostage or, you know, harmful things directed at you or any of that? What, what sustains you through all that? My faith, Michael, is what sustained me. And I will say, originally, I did not want to go to that church because I did not want to experience the pain. I knew there was going to be pain. Um, but I love God so much. And if he calls me somewhere, I'm going. And I feel like the presence of God has protected me. I, I don't always see firsthand uh, some of, of the daggers. God just protects me. Um, some people call that a disability, but for me, it, it is a superpower. And so, and so I'm able to, I'm able to kind of, you know, look past all of their ugly words and, um, the, the, I'm not paying and walking away and all that. I'm able to look past that and say, I'm going to pray for you. Um, if this is what you want to do, I can't stop you but I'm going to pray for you. And I pray that, 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 that you're leaving or you're holding your purse um, will not become a problem for you that the next place you go, because I want you to understand that you can't control certain things. I just tell people, you know, um, and that we're, there's no such thing as a perfect church and everywhere you go, there's going to be something that you don't like. So mm-hmm. let you know, either we can work it out and figure out how to kind of manage um, and how to come together, or if you want to leave, bye. You know, I just I, I don't have the energy to run behind people that I expect to be more mature uh, in their faith. Um, They've been in church 50, 60, 70 years, all their lives, and I, I all I can do is pray for them. And I push forward, Michael, and I pray. I, I think that prayer is the only way through this. I stay on my knees. <laughs> it is a constant thing because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm in line with, with God. Um, and so, and I just follow. I listen to the Holy Spirit and I keep right on moving. Um, I, and I, I make sure that people understand you, you can't fight God. Now, you can push me out of the way, but you can't fight God because whatever God wants to happen, it's going to happen. Amen. And I love what you said earlier about when talking to people, maybe the older folks who have their certain way of doing things and wanting to bring younger people in and thinking about, you know, thinking about their needs um, as well, is that it's not it's the, it's a mutual thing. We need each other. The older generation, um, you know, the, these saints of the church, like Michael always says, they're the ones who they bring They financially is a big piece, but they are also tend to be the most prayerful people. Mm-hmm. And they tend, they have these incredible insights into the past of the church and into the, um, you know, the neighborhood that they live in and the capacities of the facilities that you do have. And they have a great uh, history and so much that they contribute to. And so do the young people that are coming in. And so do these new people. And um, I think people wish that, and it does, it makes sense. Our human brains, we want things to be easy. We want things to be stagnant. We don't like new things, but God is always doing new things. Right. I think that's something that, yeah, all the time. And that's like, You see that constantly throughout the scripture is like God is bringing something new. God is waking people up out of their slumber so they can act and so they can create, you know, heaven on earth. And so um, that's something that is an active thing, which means that we have to continually grow and evolve alongside of our culture and alongside of each other. Because every new generation brings new problems. And it doesn't mean that, okay, new generation's here. Let's toss the old generation. It's how can we walk together? Um, I think sometimes it makes sense that people would feel maybe that they've kind of been booted out because it's not the way they're used to it. But um, there has to be a willingness and openness. Yeah, it makes sense to be scared, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things that that I did to try to help that, to keep people from being afraid once I realized 
that was a part of the issue is we started doing Thriving Thursdays. So the Bridge Builder Group and their friends would come on Thriving Thursday um, at our cafe and I would invite all of the seniors and say, it's going to be a wonderful night. You know, we have food and coffee and all that stuff to get them to try to mingle with each other. And, and during Thriving Thursday, what I did was a series of, of teachings, not sermons, but conversations about generations the things that we did, we, we've done over the generations. And, and we were able to look at the boomers and see what went on during their time and how they did things and what they were accustomed to and the ways, the principles that they had and what their parents taught them. And the older people were able to speak to that. And, um, and then, so the younger people were able to speak to the things that they're dealing with and how they're feeling and what their culture is like at school. And then, you know, we had one child there who was in like second or third grade and he's going, well, I don't, you know, he, when he starts to share his view, we were all looking and everybody was like, oh my gosh, we, we've got to help him. So I said, see, that's the reason we're, we're always looking for the next generation to help them because he was in a state saying, you know, well, I, I don't have friends and I want this. And he was telling us about all the, the, the stuff on the computers and just different things that they are dealing with. And so it, it opened the eyes of the, the, the seniors that were, were there. And we all came to a place to understand that our, we've been cultivated uh, by our families, by our, our communities, our schools that we've gone to, or the teachers we have. We've been cultivated by all of these different things. And so, but being a Christian, we have to allow God, have to kind of let that go. It's a hard process, but it's a process of, of letting go. It's like peeling the onion and letting all of that go and then allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of pour into us so we can see things differently. Uh, being mm -hmm. a Christian calls for us to see things differently. We have to think with love. We cannot think, oh God, I get so twisted sometimes, but we can't think with, with, with selfishness or things having to be our way. You know, there's more than one way to, to do things. And, and those conversations, we had a couple of them and did, they really opened the eyes of, of the, the seniors and, um, Everyone who attended, they're still there at Earth Methodist. Those who didn't attend are the ones who walked away. Mm. You know, so sadly, you know, um, but we're happier. <laughs> Honestly. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we are. So I wonder, um, I, I know that like in my own journey, it was shocking to, I experienced you know, a childhood at different levels of racism and structural racism and different, you know, but the, the most potent form of racism I've ever encountered was in the church. Um, and it was almost like an institutionalized racism that I, I was sent to a, like a more rural kind of, you know, North Florida, Southern town. And um, it had a lot of history of this and segregation and such and Jane Crow, Jim Crow, all that. And um, I was like, wow, I have never seen such profound racism in any place in my life. And I've been to juvenile detention and jail and I've been in some places. Right. But the church was harboring some of the. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then what I feel like what you did by creating that you know, Thursday space that was not the normal kind of church space, but people generationally, racially could get in conversation with each other. And then, like you said, the unlearning journey took place and people were able to like, as you said, the spirit kind of poured through them and they were able to see things differently and see the people differently, mm -hmm. break away kind of those things that we've been formed in um, our whole lives. But when people sit down together and they actually hear each other's stories and you created space for that to happen, it sounds like that was able to heal some of the, or at least start a journey of healing. Oh, it has. It has. At, 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 and now 
the, the seniors there, they're like, ask so-and-so to help, Pastor. Ask so they, they didn't want anybody to help before. <laughs> Let them lead, Pastor. We can show them how to do it. I said, See, yeah. <laughs> nice. So it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful um, what God does. You know, it's all God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But Michael, you know, I think it was Martin Luther King that said um, the most segregated hour is Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Most That's segregated right. hour. And it was that way then. And, and sadly, it is that way now, you know. Right. Yeah. And so not we have a lot church. of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Not at your church, though. Um, <laughs> so, Praise God. Amen. Um, the, the thing about that, I think we're trained as clergy. I'm speaking from clergy perspective here, uh, all of our training. It's to try to challenge these things that I want to say even they're either demonic or, or you could say they're the realities of structural racism or however you want to frame it, but they're there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to try to just do that from the pulpit or a Bible study or let's read a book about you know, this and try to really, really hard. I, I've just found that not very effective at all. But when we, and not, not totally ineffective, like we need to do that stuff. But when you can get people together, creating something together around a meal together outside of that context um, and, and diverse people can sit down together and, and have hard conversations and, and get to know each other. That's where I think real, healing takes place. And I think I see that in your ministry and how, and the transformation that's taken at first Jacksonville. Yeah. It, it, what it does is it forces the, the people to see each other as human beings hmm. um, and not to feel any threat from one another. You know, it just forces them to see each other, um, hear the stories it, and you know we're, we're as humans we, we can we empathize with other people and their their stories and their life and it, we've all experienced joys and pains and so we connect with those and so um when we're sitting around the table we're, we're when we're um doing some kind of ministry together people are happy and they connect that way hmm. so i agree with you <laughs> the, the bible studies just don't work <laughs> Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about Willie James Jennings and his book, the Christian imagination. And, um, I think a lot of, we use this language of post Christendom and, and it's a bad thing. And, you know, the loss of Christian, the loss of the church being kind of at the center of society, but, you know, his analysis of that is that it's actually a good thing because, you know, for 2000 years of church history, we've got a lot of that, that Christendom model has a lot of racism, uh, patriarchy, uh, segregation, all those things. So what's kind of unraveling while it's hard for us who are really denominationally structured, mm -hmm. um, it is a good thing that the spirit is doing and letting go of that um, is, is how we move into the new space. So I see your ministry and what you're doing there in Jacksonville is like a sign of, you know, what the next thing could actually look like where you haven't totally, you know, like you're working in the inherited system, you know, as a United Methodist, but you've also done something really, really creative, blended ecology within that system. So. Yeah, Michael, you know, we even have other, other denominations on our campus <laughs> worshiping at our church um uh, smaller churches one one is a non-denominational church and one is a baptist church where we all get along and occasionally there's a there's i'll, I'll say well let's do a dinner for everybody and we'll just you know communicate with one another uh, talk um and 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 do ministry together as a matter of fact they come on board when we're able when we need to do something uh, and we need uh, hands and feet, uh, they'll come on and help, you know, but they don't, they, they worship in their, in, in another space, you know, on our campus. Nice. So it's great friendships. Um, it's ecumenical. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. 
speaking of those um those different spaces you you're the pillars plus foundation i want you to talk a bit about that because uh i think it's just it's a wonderful example of repurposing those traditional church spaces that aren't being used to their full potential or what they used to be used for because churches are always changing and so um can you tell us uh, about that and the, the foundation that you started and how that is all coming about yeah, yeah, I'm so excited about pillars. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let, let me say this. Um, we began to pray at First Methodist about how to use our property. We have a huge piece of property and a small congregation, you know, about 50 people now. So we really cannot afford to, 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 maintain that size of property we have we own a block and a, almost a block and a half we cannot afford to 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 have to handle the overhead cost of that by ourselves um and so and we didn't want to get into selling property or anything like that so we begin to pray and ask god you know what what do you want to do what do you how do you see us using this place. Well, there's so many things we can do. We can add a school, we can do different things, but a lot of churches do that. And so um, I was walking through the property one day and just as clear as I could hear him, God said, what do you see? And I'm going, huh? He said, what do you see? And so I looked and I, I thought about it and I took it to the uh, church council and I said, y'all, why don't we build affordable housing? dormitory style housing for young adults the reason was we were also doing homeless ministry at the same time and what i noticed is a lot of homeless young adults 18 19 20 21 i'm going what are they why are they homeless some of them were kicked out some of them were foster were out of foster care and found their way out you know and they were sleeping on couches from friend to friend or at the beach they don't go to shelters they are afraid of shelters but they need help and so i did some research shared it with the congregation Uh, we all prayed and um, there was a vote and it was a unanimous with the leadership that this is what they wanted to do and everybody's been excited about it ever since and so what we did is um we knew that 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 we could not handle the, the the work of all of this by ourselves and all of the different things that would have to take place. And so I started Pillars Plus as a nonprofit foundation to come alongside the church to work with other nonprofits and uh, organizations in the city to um, make this a reality for First Methodist. And um, so far we have done up, uh, we have designed two model units, a one bedroom and a two bedroom unit. And so, um, I'd love for y'all to come see, but, um, and, and so, and we have partnered with FSCJ local college, um, the interior design team, the interior design school is handling all the interior design for the building. Um, company architecture companies and firms are coming on board to um do all the drawings for us oh no god is so good you know so (laughs) um and there's just a plethora of people getting involved with pillars and first methodist to to build mother's house mother's house will be a place for any young adult aging out of foster care and any young adult that has fallen on hardships. It is not free, but it will be affordable for them. Uh, we will make sure of that. And um, one of the things we, we noticed in our research was that it's about 20,000 to 30,000 young people aging out every year, every year. And Florida is number three in the highest. And so, Um, During our benchmarking, we went to the United Methodist Children's Home. We went to several um, different places. I even checked out a place in California. Um, And so to learn what they are doing and how they're doing independent living and what all is is 
all this entails. And so we learned a lot. And um, so there's a lot of work that we're doing. We have there's a whole nother team. There's like two different leadership teams that come together, one for First Methodist and one for Pillars that come together to kind of make this process happen. It's exciting. We have a um, we have enough space to house 40 young adults. We have three floors in our education building that will be dedicated to that. Wow, I think that's so amazing. 40, I didn't realize there's that many people. That's going to be <laughs> so great. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep telling me, Pastor, I think you can get 50 in here. And I go, well, let's just stick to 40 because we don't want to overcrowd the place. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and my <laughs> hope is that that um, through our connection that other churches will be able to serve uh I don't know if there'll be, you know, small groups that develop with these young young people. Um, we just want to, we're just going to connect them with the resources that they need. That's what Pillars is going to do: connect them with school, you know, um, jobs, uh, counseling. Um, we have one of the largest um, nonprofits here in in Jacksonville come along inside aside us and say they're going to offer medical care for all students that come to Mother's House. And yeah. um, so that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is definitely a need. So um, we're just going to fulfill a, fulfill a need. Mm-hmm. So Tiffany, on um, with this, you know, just so our listeners understand, big, big piece of property, First Jacksonville. Um, now it's going to have this three-story educational building that will be housing for these 40 uh, young people. Um a lot of churches have this major asset, these buildings, right? And and the very thing that could be such an asset actually becomes like the anchor that pulls us to, you know, into the depths of closure, basically. But you found a way to like take the building and actually use it for God's purposes in a missional way. Um, has that opened up any more possibilities like rather than trying to relate, rely on this plate donation system uh, where the couple of folks who are left in our Methodist churches are trying to fund these massive, you know, um, things. Has that opened up different streams? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I can't really disclose all of that. Right? Yeah, all right. but, but yeah. But what I will tell you is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I'll just say, because I'm, I'm leading you into something probably you can't talk about, but at Open Arms Village at St. Mark's in Ocala, we found that to be true, very similar to what you're doing. And um, we we can access grants and funding for things for that separate organization, yeah. Open Arms Village. That And now some of that, by using the space in that way, has actually um, helped the church financially come into a place of uh, not where we're yeah. about to yeah. close, right? Yeah. So. And they won't be dependent on the, the the plate you know right there's other ways to do that so. exactly okay so tell us um <laughs> dream about what what does the future of the church look like for you like if you want to go 10 20 years uh and what is your hope for the church in the future Well, that's a really big question. Um, but, my uh, hope, 10 years from now, 10 years from now, um, let's just say five years from now, I think that I would like to see First Methodist stable in the sense that um, they are not um, worried about uh, tithe and offering. I would... Um, I see First Methodist growing to be a um, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church because that's what it is, and and I see that growing. Um, I I I I could see um, First Methodist, the downtown campus, just as a hub for. Um, missional ministers going out into the city. I really, I I can see that um, happening there. Um, My hope is to do everything I can to, through fresh expressions, to to make that happen um, by training and sending. 
training and sending um, uh, young people, um, seniors, whoever, out um, into the communities because I think um, what they're I tell I tell the church all the time. You come here just you come here on Sundays to get fueled up. When you get fueled up, you have to go out and do the work, you know. And so um, that's a, that's something that we challenge each other to do. And so um, I see us growing to be good disciples at First Methodist. Um, and my my hope um, from ten years from now is that uh, we're just Holy Ghost filled. You know, that 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 the spirit of God just oozes out of us. You know, when people are around us, they encounter God and they know they've encountered God and they Mm -hmm. know that they are welcome at our church. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. The idea of the church being, you know, the Sunday morning services being a time where you get kind of refueled spiritually or it's the place where you know, the church goes and rests and dreams. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the week is you make those dreams reality and you live it out. And that's when you're active. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And embodying, embodying it, God's love, the, yes. the yes. Passio day that Michael likes to talk about, the passion of God being yeah. the thing that motivates and that makes us walk out the door to love people where they're at, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. mm. love that. So, Tiffany, if you could, if you could then take that up a notch and say, the future of the church, um, just in general, you can you can keep it in United Methodism if you want, but I don't think you will because you're more about the kingdom and ecumenical partnerships and all that. But what do you the for the the church universal? What does that look like in the future? It looks a lot. It looks a lot like to me, in my mind, um, the Acts Church is what it looks like. It looks like house churches. It looks like um, synagogues. It looks like um, people in the marketplace. Um, it is. It is. I think the church will be more open. Um, and more on mission, you know, really embodying the mission of God, um, kind of tearing down all of the the walls we have built around ourselves to keep us comfortable. Um, I think that we really are, are going to be pushing out into uh, the world, you know, the church will push its way. The kingdom will push its way into the world. Uh, and it's going to be done um, through um, not just pastors and elders or bishops. It's going to be the lay people, um, the people who come um, and go through their leadership and who are empowered. Uh, I, I don't think that we've done a very good job at empowering laity and others to do uh, the work of ministry. I think we've built a comfort wall around us and saying this, this is the way it has to be done. And it does not. Um, I don't, I think Jesus um, is a wonderful example <laughs> um, and, and, and using people where they are to, to teach them and share the word. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, won't be, there will be no limits. You know, I think all the limits will be gone. <laughs> 20 years from now is going to be totally different. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I don't know how we're going to receive it. <laughs> you know, I know because, all this, yeah, yeah, all these whole, innovators and everything, all the innovators and all these young people are now going to be in 20 years and 30 years. are going to be the old people who are going to be stubborn, who have to then learn that they have to be the ones that open, open their palms and are willing to learn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It'll be different. Yeah. Well, any other um, closing thoughts? Any anything you'd like to say to maybe folks who are like you, who are clergy and they're in a church, maybe in a church that's in transition or one that is um, not what it used to be? Um, and how you how what? Yeah, what are some words of advice you might be able to give to them um, that they say, can learn from your story? I would say. 
never give up. Pray until something happens. <laughs> Allow God to move through you. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit because you think things are supposed to be a certain way. Um, hmm. um, lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. And when we acknowledge God and, and acknowledge his purpose and his will, I think that opens doors you know, for us. And so I would say pray. Don't give up. Allow God to use you and listen, listen to the people around you because there's, there may be a simple little voice that tells you, you know, exactly which way to go. And it may come from the most unlikely person. So listen, because God uses everybody. So mm -hmm. that's, that's best I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Well, where can folks hear about um, your church and about the um, Pillars Plus Foundation and other things that you're up to in Jacksonville? Okay. So we, um, we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram as Pillars Plus. Uh, website is uh, PillarsPlus.org. And um, we'll... You can always find us at First United Methodist Church uh, uh, website, and that is um, www.fumc-jacks.org. You can find us there. So look forward to awesome. uh, hearing from someone. <laughs> yeah, hopefully somebody in Jacksonville is listening. They're going to hit you up. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Tiffany. This was really great. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to talking to you guys again. For oh, sure. Yeah, anytime. All right. Yeah. And to those listening, thank you so much for joining in on this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Tiffany, give it a rate, review, and subscribe and share it with a friend. And if you want to learn more about Fresh Expressions, you can check out freshexpressionsfl.org and find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you next time on New People, New Ways.